Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Talked about lots of stuff. Family is one of the things that's dear to my heart. Um, I have the privilege of coming from just a, man, I think just a great family. Mom and dad were always available. We had our flaws and our faults. We hurt each other's feelings. We had some traumas and crises and tragedies, but man, we made it through and we love each other and we've forgiven each other and we, we family's just great. Some of my, my greatest memories were growing up with Jonathan and Elaine, mom and dad. Just, just great. Um, but even in the midst of that, once again, we were not perfect. We failed a lot. I failed a lot. Um, got caught sneaking out of the house one time really late the summer before my senior year so don't get any ideas kids it's a really stupid idea I'm not going to get into all the details but it was really stupid it was really stupid it put me on the bad list it put me in the doghouse for a while but I learned some value I mean even my mistakes growing up I can preach about it now and tell people don't do that right learned a lot of stuff even the way mom and dad handled me they just they just did great man they did their best and they I feel like they did a good job I feel like they really did. And, uh, but even in a good home or a bad home, we've got to make our own choices, don't we? We get to a point, and we're responsible. We're accountable to God. And we've got to say, man, I'm going to make good choices. I'm going to choose to serve God or not. And obviously, you on a Wednesday night here, here at church, you've chosen to serve God. And man, I learned so much growing up. And one thing I learned is teamwork and order. Maybe that's two things, right? So along the lines of how it's meant to be, I'm going to talk to you tonight about teamwork, teamwork, and order. All right? Teamwork and order. When you have a team, those of you that played sports or still play sports, you need teamwork and order, don't you? Can you imagine you play sports and it's basketball and everybody on the bench says, I want to play right now. I don't care what the coach says. We're all going to get on the basketball court. Well, you'll get a technical foul for that. No, we're not leaving the court. There's 12 of us, but we all want to play right now at the same time. Well, it doesn't work that way. Eventually, I'm sure the ref will cancel the game if he can't get everybody off the court because the other team's only playing five people at, at a time, right? There's got to be teamwork. There's got to be order. And I believe, I believe, I believe we're taught how to be civilized humans at home. Some say, man, I didn't get taught well in these certain areas. Hey, well, we do our best. And God teaches us now as we're part of the body of Christ, the family of God. But I believe it all starts at home, all right? You say, man, well, I didn't have a good home life. Well, then it all starts at your church home. God can speak to you and teach you. And look at this. This is the first point tonight. Honor authority. Honor authority. That's a huge step in working as a team <laughs> and having order. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I love Mexico. Okay? I do. Anybody in here ever been to Mexico or driven in Mexico? Or just hung out there for whatever the reason? We won't get into all of it. Well, Mexico's interesting because I've been to Mexico numerous times. And I remember when we were in uh, Morelia, Michoacan, not far from Distrito Federal. So not, I think it's an hour and a half from Mexico City, maybe. And. They called it the, the land of eternal spring. Well, it was also the land of no driving rules. 
There were stop signs, and my brother always said, man, you go to Mexico, and a stoplight or a stop sign is just a suggestion or a good idea. I mean, people are just, it's crazy. I remember this, this man of God, was, I was there with Dad. I kind of invited myself on the trip. Dad was going, I said, Dad, you can't go, go alone. I'm getting a flight. We're going together. He's all, okay. So it was 2008, and I went with him to Mexico, and he was mentoring a pastor down there and doing a conference and different stuff, so I went with him. And man, I noticed the lack of order. And now, I have pretty good nerves as a whole. My mom used to say, man, your nerves are wired different. You can handle loud noise because mom was always like, turn it down. It's all that banging noise and all that loud rap music and turn that down. And everybody's nerves handle stuff differently, right? And I, I thought, man, I got some pretty good nerves. But man, it made me nervous. It made me nervous driving through Morelia. And this pastor, he's a native um, Mexican guy there. But man, people are just kind of ignoring stop signs and everybody's just out and forcing and it's weird that it even works and it works somehow but they're just it's like fish all swimming together in a school like all just touching almost and the cars are coming out and people are honking the whole time and I'm like how do we do it but you you just kind of make it it's way less order than here and people make mistakes here don't get me wrong but there's a lot of order people usually usually respect street lights usually stop signs stuff like that we think it odd when people don't because this is a land of rules and laws, and there's order, right? To a point. And we've done pretty well here as a country that way. But you start to notice the lack of order. Like I said, you go visit Mexico, or I remember we were in Indonesia, and man, the people were driving crazy years ago. Crazy! You notice the lack of order, and lack of order, it brings danger. When there's no order, people get hurt. You guys ever been to a PE class in school and the teacher just, maybe they were a substitute teacher, they didn't have control over the kids and everybody's doing whatever they want? And when all of, let's say 20 kids are doing whatever they want, can anybody volunteer some help here? What usually happens when you have a room full of kids and they're doing whatever they want? G give me some stuff. Yes, sir. Teach, no, okay, before that. No, I mean before that. Let's say we're doing an experiment. So the substitute teacher's intimidated. They're not sending them out yet. What usually ends up happening? Anybody? Somebody gets hurt. Ooh! Blood or no blood, a red face, something happens. What else? It's loud. It's disorderly. Somebody starts saying cuss words. I mean, just something. They're telling on each other. It's somebody, get, they wind up, they're, they're, their phone's missing. It's just out of order. And it's like disorder creates disorder. Have you guys ever noticed that? Did you ever go to somebody's house growing up? And you walked in the house, and the TV's on. Everybody's yelling to talk over the TV, and it's something dumb on TV. It doesn't even need to be on, and it's just on, and, it's, ah, and you, can't, you can't hear each other. And it's disorderly. People are running in and out. The door's open. Flies are coming in or coming out. You know, you've heard people, don't let all the flies out, right? But they're coming in, and they're slamming the door. I remember growing up, Dad was so particular. He said, don't slam the door. Dad always said that. And you heard my quotes on Sunday. One of the favorite things that Dad had growing up, <laughs> Brother Tony smiling over there, one of Dad's favorite quotes was, boy, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Don't do that. You know, I'm going to spank you. I'm going to whip you. Or I'm going to put you on restriction, right? Slamming the door of the TV. And you've been to those places. And people are screaming. It's disorderly. And you say, wow, we're just... We're, em we're emotive and we're passionate. Yeah, at our house we got loud and we'd all talk at the same time at the table, but there was always order. 
And we notice that there is order because, number one, we were taught this right here, honor authority. I did some dumb stuff growing up knowing that I was going to get in trouble. But I always had within my little soul a fear of God to a point, but I had a fear of dad. And some say, well, dad's not there. Then a fear of mom. There were times I feared mom, too, because mom would get mad, and her chin would stick out. I remember when she'd get mad. She'd put her teeth together, and she'd go, I can't even do it because my chin's not built the same way. She'd go, and man, there's times I, I think it happened a couple times where mom spanked me, and then dad came home and heard about it and spanked me, too. <laughs> you learn to honor authority. Now it's like, no, uh, it's this and that. It's this and that. Uh, it, it can't be this, no. And parents will lie. I'm not saying any of you in here, but I remember when we had the, the academy, and Miss Debbie remembers this. Sister Debbie knows. You had the academy, and kids show up and act bad and then not do their homework, and they're talking back, and they're acting a fool. And you know what parents will do? None of y'all here, because y'all are wise, and y'all are good, and y'all are honest, and y'all are godly. But parents be lying. Say, man, my kid has never acted this way before. They don't act this way at home. They, they didn't act this way at the other school. And you see the transcript from the other school talking back, F, F, F. So it's a lie. And it starts off, the lies come from a lack of order. They weren't taught to honor authority. Say, oh, it's because they don't have a dad at home. Oh, no. No, I've seen some moms and some single moms run a household. Oh, I've seen it. There's some single moms here that they run a household. And they teach respect. And they're like, not in my house. Not in my house. I will pray that God deals with you. You will not act like that in my house. And some single moms can run some house and, and also teach respect. Or a single dad. You can learn respect at home with one or two parents. You can. Or one grandma, one grandpa and grandma. It all starts at home, though. Honoring authority. Taught me at a young age. I don't remember the age but I remember dad said don't you ever give me huh so what do you mean he said when I say something and you don't hear me you don't say huh I said yes sir and he'd say you say sir or you say would you repeat that or you say what sir he said and you say sir and you say ma'am and it was crazy I learned that at home and then I talked to people that way and they're like man they taught you respect I'm like I don't know how respectful I am but I just know it's a habit now. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. No, sir. Because we learned it at home. We were taught to honor authority. We were taught to be respectful and polite. <laughs> you know, it was easy to go to school and respect teachers because I had a healthy respect and a fear of authority. I didn't talk back to teachers. Now, I got in trouble at school. I know y'all can, can guess why. Usually it was talking. Or making somebody laugh that was not as clever as me at hiding it. I had a friend that I could get him to talk and laugh every time in junior high. And I just look up every time. The and, and the teacher finally one time he says, you know what? He said, I think 99% of the time Matt is up to something. And he, said, he told the other guy, he said, you're just too dumb to know how to hide like Matt does. He said, I have a feeling Matt's behind a lot of this, but you're in trouble all the time. And I'm going... What? What? <laughs> Me? I talked. But I tell you what, I didn't talk back to teachers. I treated them well. I said, yes, ma'am, no, sir, stuff like that. Did my best to be on time to class. Everybody's late sometime, right? 
but I did my best to be respectful and polite. I was taught that at home. I learned to follow orders. That sounds very military. Basically, listen to authority. That's how you honor authority. <laughs> and growing up, oh, man, there were times, there were times my dad would say things like this. Dad was always a mathematician. He'd say, you know, I feel like I've told you 10,000 times. That was one of his favorite things to say. My dad, I don't think it was actually 10,000 times. I think it was closer to 25, 26 times probably. But and I, I tended to be a smart aleck, but dad got some of that out of me, you know. I learned to be respectful and polite. Learned to listen. Learned to listen. I learned to, you know what, I'm not going to get into that yet. Let's go to Romans 13.1. Let's go to Romans 13.1. Check this out. Everyone, does everybody see that? Everyone. Everybody say everyone. Yeah, otherwise we have disorder. It says everyone must submit to governing authorities. It's interesting how people get mad at police. Hey, man, in every profession, every line of work, there's folks that, that are tough to deal with. Say, man, no, cops, this and that. Hey, they're there for a reason. God has set them in authority. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Look at this. For all authority, this is what Scripture says. I didn't make this up. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Isn't that interesting? It didn't say everybody in authority is is beyond reproach. They are perfect. They are completely holy and righteous, and that's why God put them there. No, God puts some people in authority. One, one uh, verse in the book of Daniel, God is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, through Daniel the prophet, and Daniel said, God showed me that God sometimes puts the lowest of men in authority. The translation is the basest, the lowliest. And y'all have dealt with folks in certain careers of authority that you were like, oh my gosh, how are they in that position? They're a punk. They're in love with power, or they're hard to deal with, or they lied, or whatever. But hey, it's authority that God has set up. Let's read it again from the beginning of that, if you don't mind. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And yeah, sometimes I believe people have been placed in positions of authority, <laughs> and it's a test. I know some of y'all had a crazy teacher or dealt with maybe a cop that wasn't the best. I've dealt with some policemen, and I was like, are you serious over the years? I was, I was just amazed, which I shouldn't have even been in trouble anyway, right? You should have been pulling me over. But I got pulled over, and then I was like, man, this must be a test. Let's go to Hebrews 13, 17. A test. Look at this one. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. I don't think that just means pastors. I believe that means parents as well. Now, you get to an age where you're not living at home. This is a trick question. Do you, do you obey your parents in everything once you move out of the house? That's my question. No, not necessarily, but Scripture says you honor them forever. Forever. And I don't have that verse here, but Scripture says honor your, your, your mom and your dad, mother and father, so that you will live long on this earth. All right? Live long in the land that God has promised you. You've got to honor mom and dad forever, whether you obey or not. I got to a certain age. I didn't live at home. And, and it was always interesting because mom and dad were my pastors, my parents, my bosses, my spiritual authority. So it was, it was challenging. We always navigated that. 
And there were times they'd give me advice or say, hey, you should do this. And I just, mm, well, I, I think this is a better way for me to do it. And I was wrong a lot, too. But you get old enough to decide for yourself. You still honor. But when your kid's living at home, do you always obey? Yes, you obey unless it's immoral or illegal. <laughs> one, one woman of God said, I read in a book one time, one woman of God said, I listen to my husband, I do what he says. Unless it's stupid or ungodly. I said, okay, well, that's now on the podcast. So you take that and do whatever. I mean, hey, <laughs> that's what the lady said. She said, I do that. I, I, I listen to my husband and do what he asks unless it's stupid or ungodly, immoral, right? <laughs> Say, man, mom and dad told me to rob a bank. Well, okay, they pressured you. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you won't get the full extent of the law on that, but still, man, should you do that? No. No. Hey, we're going to go rob a bank now as a family. We have family activity. It's family night. Mm, probably don't want to do that, okay? We're going to go break and enter. No, you don't want to do that. Obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work, look at this. I believe this goes for parents too, but especially pastors and teachers and leaders in the Lord and in the local church, their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. <laughs> I like that verse. <laughs> y'all, as a whole, y'all have caused me to do this with great joy. All right. No sorrow there. So that is powerful. I like that. Let me read the whole verse again. I really like that one. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy. And not with sorrow. Hmm. Interesting. Let's go to Ephesians 6.1 now. Remember? Children. This is kiddos living at the house. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. And by the way, yes, you'll get to live a long life if you honor them. But obeying them while you're at that age. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 now. Verse 1. I urge you. The apostle says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Now, let me encourage you real quick. I don't have any more of those forms here. We might have some out in the lobby. But I want to encourage you, man. Make sure you're writing down names of people for your prayer list. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be all people that, God, whatever it takes, bring them to you. No, because I might be on your prayer list. I already seek God, I promise, okay? So if you're praying for me and my family, praise God. But you may have some difficult cases on your list, too. Pray for folks. Write them down. It's powerful. I guarantee you, you can pray for an hour when you have 100 people on a list. You see pastor's list. He's blown 100 away. So it's written all over the place. It's written all over the place. He's at like 140 or something on that one list. He's, he told me he had another list. I don't know. But God laid it on his heart. And now he's laid it on my heart, on Pastor Jen's heart. And we're praying for folks, man. And I'm seeing results. It's amazing. There's been folks on my list that hadn't thought about me, seen me, or heard from me in years, and they're calling now because they were on my list. I'm praying for them. So make sure that you're writing down people that you can pray for. Scripture says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. That's powerful. People that you can think of. And I, you want to pray specifically, right? Because growing up, do you, did you ever pray that prayer? And God, bless everybody in the whole world. Well, it's not a bad prayer. It's, it's kind of ill-advised, I guess. It's not specific. Bless everybody in the whole world. Well, some people need different prayers. Some people need, God, whatever it takes, bring them in. Others need, Lord, I speak a blessing. Lord, protect them. Lord, speak to them, whatever. God, give them wisdom. 
So make sure you're filling out those prayer lists, okay? In your phone, if you take notes in there, or if you have the actual sheet of paper for the list, go ahead. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. Wow, that's powerful. And give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings. Well, leaders, right? Presidents, people in the Senate and Congress. We don't really have a king anymore. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by what? Godliness and dignity. So that's interesting. And growing up, we were taught that. I remember mom and dad teaching me, hey, when you're old enough to vote, whether you voted for that president or not, pray for them because their decisions affect you. When you're old enough to vote, pray for senators and congressmen and mayors and stuff, whether you voted for them or not, because their decisions have an effect on your life. So pray for folks. Pray for your leaders. Pray for people in authority. You want to honor authority? Here's another way you can do it. This is a lost art. Voice disagreements privately and respectfully. Now, it doesn't mean you can't disagree out in the open. But I've heard stories of some people said, man, I never heard my parents disagree. I'm like, man, that's amazing. You never heard them disagree. No, they go in a room quietly and close the door and disagree. Really, that's awesome. That's a good habit. And I think disagreement, yelling and, and really, really disagreeing, being passionate. But I've heard those stories, and that's awesome. Maybe you weren't raised like that. Um, as a family, <laughs> we disagreed out in public. <laughs> I don't mean out the store, but we disagreed at home. And it was made honorable, though. Our parents said, be respectful and stuff. But hey, you got to disagree as parents. Hide it out from the kids. You don't need to argue and fight in front of the kids. All right? Stresses them out. Do it privately and respectfully. All right? So number one, in teamwork and order, how it's meant to be as a family, honor authority. Let's put that point up there again. Thank you. Honor authority. Be respectful and polite. Listen, follow orders, pray for your leaders, voice your disagreements privately and respectfully. Remember, it all starts at home. Look at number two tonight. This is powerful. This is one of my favorites. Pray together as a family. My parents were brilliant at this. I remember sometimes even on family night, because family night was always Friday. We were excited. We'd rent movies, and it seems like for the longest we had a VHS player that didn't work. Dad didn't want to buy one. But we had a, it was huge. It was a big old VHS player. We couldn't get the movies to work for the longest until we finally got a good VCR. But I remember even on Friday night sometimes, mom or dad would feel led and they'd say, let's pray, kids. Let's pray together. Let's pray for your grandparents. Let's pray for so-and-so. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray. And I remember them kneeling down and us getting in a dark room and putting on music and praying together. We prayed as a family, not just at dinner. We always prayed when we ate. But have y'all ever heard pastor pray for his food? Anybody in here? Pastor says, Father, bless this food in Jesus' name. And if he wants to make it a drawn-out prayer, he just hesitates and says the same thing slower. I've seen him do that. Because his family, his family was hardcore denominational, and they said, you don't, you don't pray long enough. They got him to pray because he's one of the pastors. I remember amongst his brothers and sisters one time. So and I don't know if he did it as a joke, but we were all there. I think I was in junior high. Middle school, I think it's called now. And dad said, all right, everybody, let's pray, man. There was like 30 of us in there. They're at grandma's house. He said, let's pray. Because they had complained the year before that he didn't pray long enough. My mom said, that's because he does his praying early in the morning. 
Anyway, so dad said, all right, let's pray. Father, bless this food in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So his prayer was longer, but it was the same exact thing. And I was like, I don't know if he's messing with all his brothers and sisters, but dad, y'all know pastor's pretty tough. He didn't care. So that's how he <laughs> prayed when he prayed for food. And dad, dad will even tell you jokes about it. He said, man, that's not the only time we pray. We pray at other times. We were here this morning praying, dad and I, and I just love it. I've seen him pray my whole life, and it's been such a good example. Such a strong man. Came back from Vietnam, faced war, faced death. And I've, he's, not a, he's not one to cry and be emotional very often, but I've seen him cry in God's presence. And it's always been such a good example to me because mom and dad taught us to pray as a family. You heard the old saying, the family that prays together stays together. I think it's a good saying. It's not just a cliche. Go to Colossians 3.15, if you would, please. What does this say? And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. Do you think you can have peace in your heart if you never pray? Or you don't pray as a family? You say, man, there's no peace in our home. Well, you've got to pray together. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you what? Are called to live in peace. Yeah, y'all are called to live in peace as a family. And always, somebody say always, always be thankful. Wow, that's powerful. Praise God. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I've been on this verse a lot lately. Repeating it, church, thinking about it, meditating on it. This is deep. Remember, this is the verse you learned a few weeks ago. Never stop praying. That's the verse right there, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray as often as you can, as hard as you can. All the time. Just pray. Just pray, just pray, just pray. Pray about everything. Pray about concerns. Talk to God. Ask Him for help. Worship Him. Pray about the church, about your family, about people that need help, about people on your prayer list, about your job, about your health, about finances. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, because it says there, never stop praying. Now, that's a goal. That's a lofty goal, isn't it? Because just pray as often as you can. And you got to pray together as a family. Let's go to Matthew 18, 19. I also tell you this, Jesus said, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven, he will do it for you. You ever seen some families do some crazy amazing stuff together because they were all on the same page i've seen families bond bond together and form a great business families bond together and help to form a great church families bond together and and cook an amazing meal families get together and have a great sporting event families get together and do something great families pitch in and buy a vehicle or a house or whatever there's power and unity there's strength in numbers so pray together as a family Let's go to the beginning of that verse again, if you don't mind, Matthew 18, 19. It said, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, then what? My Father in heaven will do it for you. And that ties into point three tonight. Work together. Work together. What does that mean? Well, you work together means that's teamwork and unity. But you also work together doing work at the house together. Man, that taught us some valuable stuff. I remember growing up, it frustrated me. Dad was, man, I, I don't know, I just, you know, you're just lazy when you're kids sometimes, maybe some more than others. 
you want to go play a video game or go outside or ride your bike or something? And I remember Dad going, all right, all right, it's going to take us, and Dad would always have a plan. He said, it's going to take us about 30 minutes. We're going to clean the house. I'm like, oh, my gosh. We're going to help your mom right now. Oh, I don't want to clean the house, you know, just with a bad attitude. Oh. And Dad would tell me, he had a quirky thing that he would do. He would say, hey, go run the, go run the vacuum cleaner. Okay. That was the way he said it, go run the vacuum. So I'd go, and I don't know if he was trying to, trying to help me absorb it psychologically better. I don't know, and that's not good grammar. But I would vacuum a room real quick, be done, and start putting up the vacuum cleaner and go, oh, and go ahead and vacuum your room now. After I did the living room, I'm like, okay. So I'd go vacuum my room, and I'm already putting it up, and he said, go vacuum your sister's room now. Dad, why didn't you just tell me from the start I had to vacuum the whole house? And, it, and I was lazy, so I would try to get away with it, and, and it always tricked me. I don't know why he did that, but he did that. And it happened, it must have happened to me ten times. I'd vacuum real quick, I'm like, I'm done with that. And he's like, and by the way, go vacuum our room now. Oh my gosh, Dad. And I'd go, Dad, why didn't you just tell me? He goes, and then you know what Dad would say? He'd say, you were vacuuming, you think I'm going to have you vacuum one room? What? Go, go vacuum our room. Go. Okay. As a family, when you work together, you solve problems together. You take care of the house. You clean up. You learn responsibility, timeliness, care, management, wisdom, and working through conflict. I believe that. When you work together. As a family, let's go to Colossians 3.23. I'm about done here, so hang with me. Colossians 3.23. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Mom and Dad used to quote that verse to me when I had a bad attitude when it was time to do chores. <laughs> that very same verse. Let's go to Psalm 90, verse 17. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts, our work, successful you work hard god's gonna bless you when you work together god blesses unity let's go to proverbs 12 11 a hard worker has plenty of food but a person who chases fantasies has no sense that's a great translation isn't it i've met people man they don't want to work work can wait remember those old cartoons work can wait man but they're just chasing a dream, and you should be able to chase a dream, but in the process, work. A hard worker has plenty of food, all right? So we got to learn to work together in the family. That's part of teamwork and order. So we honor authority, we pray together as a family, and then we work together. I feel like, man, family is one of my things to talk about. I could go much longer than this, but bow, bow your heads and close your eyes, please. Let's pray together.